following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. I'm actually going to start with, with a few topics relevant to today's topic. The topic really is, um, the name of the topic is um, sort of assisting illegal activities. It means well, you're not actually part of the illegal activity, we're going to see a video soon, but you're somehow supporting it, either even morally, just saying, um, you know, I'm, I like what they're doing, you know, keep on trucking, or, you know, giving someone the thumbs up there when they're... Uh, I don't know, robbing a car, whatever it may be, things in that sort. We're not, we, we've spoken in the past about actually, literally, helping someone commit a crime. That might be a biblical prohibition. But here we're talking about a, a much lower level where you're, it's even what's called a moral assist or something like that. How does that work? Um, you know, let's say, and, and I put here a number of things on the, on the flyer, which is it's relevant to gun control because the whole debate... Um, going on in the country, which we've discussed in the past, but I want to just uh, revisit it for a short time, um, which is, let's say, selling guns, where you're not doing a crime. You're just selling a gun to someone who may use it to commit a crime. So how does that work? That would be maybe an example of this. Um, in Hebrew, the term, as we're going to see, is machzike over You're supporting sinners, meaning you're not doing anything, again, complicit with their sin, um, but you're supporting them in the sense of Again, they can do it without you, but you're morally supporting them. You're, you're telling them, oh, it's a great job you're doing. So that's one aspect of it. And this is relevant to, to one, it's relevant to the gun debate, which is selling guns to people who might commit sins with it, um, who might commit crimes with it. Number two, it's relevant, actually, which is a whole other topic, which I hope to discuss in a different class, even politicians. What happens if you're um, supporting a politician who might have some morally, some, some of his views and some of his... Um, his, not his personal views, but views that even states politically are you believe are morally wrong. So how does that work? Can I support a politician, either monetarily or even voting for a politician relevant to the upcoming election? Can you vote for someone who has views that disagree with your morals? Okay, that's, that would be another question. Well, I don't rule out every politician. That's probably true. The past 200 years. No, even political, political, I don't mean political views. I mean, let's say, for example, let's say, um, let's say his views are antithesis to the Torah views. So can I support that politician if his views don't conform with, with me as a religious Jew for, with the Torah views? Tell me who voted pro-abortion. Maybe, if if you believe that's the term. Well, we're not gonna get, let's not get it particular. I don't want to get Just caught up in that example. topic. As an example of example. supporting, morally supporting someone who, in at least in the Torah's views, is has, is right. committing something wrong. Okay? I'm so wide open to be like, don't say anything. I'm not, I'm not. But I'm, <laughs> okay, I want you to, I'm just giving examples. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see a great video in a second, which will show a perfect example of this. Um, another example might be, let's say, money money laundering, which of course is illegal in itself in our environment. But again, we're talking about from the halachic point of view, um, which is, let's say, um, is money laundering might be, I just put it down as an example, but that might be something which, again, it's illegally wrong in itself. We're talking about, again, from the Torah perspective, would it be wrong for me to take to basically someone else to do something else wrong with the money? Is that called supporting their sin? So let's say you're taking drug money um, and, and you're somehow, uh, again, it's not your business. They're, you're not doing anything, quote-unquote, sinful in the sense. But how does that work halachically? So we're going to address those issues. 
Okay, so so I'm going to start with just a fascinating piece, which I we I think I believe we've done here before, which just to show you that the gun debate issue is nothing new. As we know, as we discussed many times, there's nothing new in this world. Everything is in this little blue book. Um, um, is in the in the Torah itself. This is the gun debate issue found written about. Um, again, if you believe the Torah is written 5,000 years ago, then this is a 5,000-year-old debate. Um, so I just want to read it again. It's just so fascinating. It's worth reading it again. Now we'll get to the video. Um, so this is what I showed you on Chavez. Okay, so this is, so first of all, so this jump off from the Parsha is, there's two parts. One is we have the first murder in this week's Parsha. As we'll see, murder is very relevant to this. Um, the first murder in the world, of course, is Cain. Cain kills Abel. Okay, that's, that happens in Parsha Bereshis, which we read on Shabbat. So uh, there's a lot of discussion about that murder. I'm not going to read the verses. We don't have enough time. But in the second part of the Parsha, there's verses. No, I print out the second part. Okay. Hmm, I gave you the wrong paper. Some of you have two, two sides. sides. Yes, yeah, so we're on the side. Some of you don't. I'll get you the other. We should have. Okay. Right Am I not supposed to have this? No, it's the same thing. I just some of them were two sided, some weren't. Age old debate is what the one, first yes, thing you yeah, that's what says on the top. Okay, that's fine. Either way, it's this side. You have the same. It's the same. The <laughs> okay, so the one that says Ramban Nachmanis also works. So it says like this. It says. Um, so the, the verses, which I don't quote here, talk about at a later point. Um, it says Shay, the grandfather, the grandson of, of Adam, okay, the grandson of Adam, um, took, taught his his sons. He had three sons, and he taught his son, his sons. Um, he taught his sons different skills in the beginning of the world. Okay, the Torah says. And this is 4.22, so I'll read you these verses quickly. Because this is sort of a, just an introduction to the topic. 4.22, it says, the verse says like this. Um, the name of his brother is Yuval. Okay, so the first says, the first of those, he had three sons. Yuval, who dwelled in tents and bred cattle. And he taught the first son, in this for Texas, animal husband, what we call in nice terms, animal husbandry. Okay, which means how to mate various animals together to produce farm animals. By the way, there's more, there's more chicken. Okay, so animal husbandry. Um, the second son, it says, um, he, he was the first to handle the harp and flute. There was no concept of instruments. Uh, at that time in the world. This was around 200 after creation, 200 years around that, 300 after creation. So uh, he taught them how to create instruments. The harp and the flute were created, is what the Torah says at the time. And the third son, it says, Tubal Cain, he taught him how to sharpen all cutting implements of copper and iron. Okay, and the, the commentaries explain, basically he taught them how to create weapons. Shh, guys, guys, very important. He taught them how to create uh, weaponry. Okay, so now the Ramban Nachman, one of the commentaries on the Torah, writing this who lived in the 1100s, late 1100s, early 1200s, explains comments on this. And this is your, oh, you gave it, you gave it, pass it on. I didn't know if you, uh, 
Is there any background on how Lemek learned all this? In order to um, teach it? I don't know. I didn't, say, I didn't see anything okay. about it. But, uh, so it says like this. Nachmanli says, we're going to skip on down due to time. We're going to skip on down to the second paragraph there where it says, Ramban's explaining. Um, okay, let's start from the top. Let's read it quickly. It says like this. And it's in your... Do you see it there? You have... Some people just have the English. Some people have the English. No, it's on the, the other side. This side. I believe, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That paragraph. Yeah. So, so it says like this. Having explained, Ramban now proceeds to analyze a verse beginning with our interpretation. This is similar to that of other commentators. He says, however, the matter of Lemach with his wife, scripture does not record explicitly. There was a conversation that took place where his wife, Lemach's wife, was complaining. Again, this is Adam's grandson complaining. Um, we can also say along the lines of other commentators that they were afraid of punishment lest Lemach be killed for the sin of his ancestor Cain. As we said, Cain was the first murderer. So Lemach now was teaching his son how to create weaponry. So the wives were upset. This was not the first argument between husband and wife. That already took place, as we know, with Adam and Eve. Um, but here, this is uh, maybe the second argument. Um, the first one, of course, Adam lost. For God did not say to Cain, I have forgiven you, but only that he would be killed. He would not be killed. However, he would collect his due from his descendants. And so it was, in fact, for Cain's descendants. Okay, so let me comfort his wife, saying that God would have mercy on him as he had mercy on Cain. But don't worry, we won't be killed because of Cain's murder of Abel. Now, the second paragraph is the one to focus on here. So it says, um, he, the Ramban says a different interpretation of this argument. Is that Lemech was a very wise man in all kinds of skilled crafts. And he taught his firstborn son, Yubal, the subject of animal husbandry, in accordance with the natures of the various animals, as we said. He taught the second son, Yubal, the art of music. Okay, and he taught the third son, Tubal Cain, to sharpen and to make swords, spears, javelins, and all sorts of other weapons. Says Nachmanides, he continues, his wives were therefore afraid lest he be punished if he had brought swords and thus murder into the world. The fact that he's producing and teaching his son how to manufacture weapons would maybe say, listen, it's your fault. You're the manufacturer of the weapons. You're producing the weaponry. Right? That's why, um, which, is, which is one of the arguments today amongst the debate in, in as we know, against many of the of the uh, producers of weapons today, of the guns, and of Smith & Wesson, people are saying, listen, it's your fault. You need to know who you're selling them to, and of the gun, not only the manufacturers, but also of the retailers, um, of who they're selling the guns to. Okay? So that was what his wife was arguing to, to Lemach. Um, the, so the Ramban continues, and here he was, they thought, grasping the deed of his ancestor in his hand, meaning he was a son, a grandson of Cain, Okay, for he was a descendant of the first murderer, Cain, and now he's going ahead and producing weapons. And he too created the tools of destruction to cause inj injury. That was the, what the wives were claiming. So what was his answer to them? What was Lamech's answer to his wives? So he too said to them, I have not killed anyone through wounds, nor, nor a child through injuries as Cain did. So God will not punish me, but will safeguard me from being killed even more than he guarded Cain. He made mention of these injuries and wounds as if to say that even without swords and spears, a person can kill through injuries and wounds inflicted by his bare hands. Meaning, a killer wants to kill, as we see today in Israel, unfortunately, what's happening in You have been listening to the MP3 project from the Jewish Ethic Institute. For a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j-ethics.org. Shalom.